Welcome to the First Right Podcast, the weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration of America. I'm your host, Nick Jeevis, the Restoration News, and today we have the privilege of speaking with Terry Hasdorf, a faith-based consultant who's going to tell us how Christians can end their timidity and come out of the closet into the political arena. Terry, welcome to the First Right Podcast. It's so great to have you on the show today. Thank you so much, Nick. I'm thrilled to be with you. So let's talk a little bit about your background and your firm, Capital Solutions. Can you walk us through how you got into this business and what you do on a day-to-day basis? Sure. So I have been in politics for many years. I uh, do a, a lot of government relations work through my company, Capital Solutions Consulting, and a little bit of political strategy. Uh, I ran for Congress in Alabama in 2020 and then took over a super PAC. And when I finished with that, I just really felt like uh, there was a need to write a book and so I wrote this book called Running Into the Fire, which is about why more Christians need to be involved in politics. Now, let's break down that title in that book. I scanned some of the forwards and some of the blurbs about it, and I looked into some of the book. Let's talk about this issue, because it seems like the faith itself is retreating. A lot of people that you think would speak up, would step forward, are not. Can you tell me in your research, have you found a reason for why that is? Well, you know, the reason I named it Running Into the Fire is because I was talking with a friend of mine who had also run for Congress about the same time I did. And I asked him, why do you believe Christians shy away from being involved in politics? And he said, well, because they're afraid of it. They think of it as being dirty and corrupt. And I said, yes, that's what I hear over and over. He said, but you know, what they really should be doing is thinking of it more like people who are in law enforcement or people who are firefighters because they're trained to overcome their fears. And instead of running away from the burning building, they run right into it. And I thought, you know, that's it. As Christians, we're called to walk in faith, not fear. And if you're trained properly, you don't need to be afraid. Uh, You know, 64% of Americans identify as Christians. And yet, even though 90 million uh, Americans who are Christians are eligible to vote. 40 million Christians on average don't vote in presidential election cycles, and 15 million Christians aren't even registered to vote. So those are shocking statistics, and that's why I really wanted to address it with the book. How far back does this go? Because this isn't just one or two election cycles. It seems that there's an on and off trend, right? There's some elections where we have a big Christian turnout, others where we don't. But overall, how far back does this trend go? Well, you know, I almost named my book less than 1% because going back to the 2016 election cycle, that's the percentage of Americans who gave to political campaigns, anything over $200. So, you know, when you look at less than 1% of the American population having skin in the game, that's a shockingly low number as well. And as far as, you know, Christian involvement in politics, this is going back decades. Uh, In fact, I would venture to say this dates back even before uh, the 60s, because, you know, you had the Jesus movement and so many things that I think a lot of people just sort of shifted their focus onto evangelism, which is very critical. But you can't forget that the mountain of government is also something that we've been called to steward. And there's a lot of scriptural references to why Christians should be more involved in, in politics. And those are a lot of the things that I talk about and give some examples of in the book. Now, societally, at least lately, Christians are forced to be subservient. You can't bring up your faith at work here. You can't bring it up in public. It seems as if the other side, though, agnostics, atheists, people of other faiths can talk all day about their beliefs, but Christians are persecuted. It's it's said so in the Bible. But have you found any methods that people can use tangibly in everyday life to be able to step forward, talk about their faith, and share their beliefs without having their lives ruined? 
Well, you know, we are living in a cancel culture. And uh, Eric Metaxas talks about how uh, there's the spiral of silence that is something that we're starting to experience. This is what they had happened in Nazi Germany. Uh, you know, Elizabeth uh, Newen is a, a professor who looked at this and she talked about how there's a um, trend that, you know, when, when you don't speak up, the price of speaking up rises. And when more and more people start to see that price that gets higher, they in turn don't speak up and on and on and on until literally you can silence an entire nation. And that's what happened in Germany. So it's a time in our country right now where we're starting to see that take hold. The cancel culture is happening around us. And one of the most valuable freedoms that we have in America is our religious freedom. And that is something that must be protected. Yes, and we have that famous quote that came from the socialists, but I didn't speak out because I wasn't a socialist, and then it goes on down the line until there was no one left to speak for me. And uh, in keeping with that theme, let's talk about communism and socialism. This seems to be infecting every level of America, government, schools, the workplace, the grocery store. You can't escape it. So how do everyday Americans, especially Christians, step up against this force that seems to want all religion, all faith, specifically Christianity, eradicated from the country? Mm. Well, you know, Nick, socialism at its core is about replacing God with government and freedom with tyranny. And it's very disturbing to me to see uh, what is happening here because you have so many people that are fleeing countries like Venezuela and other places where communism is in full swing, and they're coming here. And the irony is, is that this is on our doorstep and it's what we are very close to adopting ourselves. So it, it, is, it is a very critical time in our nation. Honestly, I don't think we've ever had a presidential election that's more important because whoever goes in as the next president will be determining the course of the nation. And we are already dangerously close to losing a lot of our freedoms and embracing socialism. You know, when I was in college and high school, it, as insane as it might sound, some of my instructors tried to claim that Jesus was a socialist. Jesus was a communist. Jesus would want to follow these tenets of a political life. Can you explain how Christianity, at least in your research and in your uh, experience, clashes with communism and clashes with socialism? What are the main differences between that ideology and what Christianity preaches? Absolutely. Well, you know, communism has never worked. Socialism is defined by Webster's as the transition into communism. And when you look around the world at, at the countries that have tried it, it has always uh, resulted in epic failure. Uh, it's something that usually results in, in a lot of poverty. Jesus was never uh, someone who would have embraced this because it, it definitely contributes to a lot of misery and suffering, and he came to set the captives free. So, you know, uh, to, to even entertain that notion is just ridiculous. Uh, socialism is something that, that is the opposite of Christianity and, and, in fact, views itself, communism views itself as an enemy of, of religion. This might be a difficult question, but I want to ask it because it's tough for all Christians to think about this. But it seems like there are some people that identify as Christians. They go to church. They talk about these topics, but they don't vote the way a Christian would vote. They're pro-choice. There's no morality. There's no set standards. Uh, there's no inclusiveness, no empathy. How does a Christian who's practicing the biblical Christianity approach said people without hardening their hearts? How, how do you get those people to turn back to Christ and unite the faith? Because it seems fractured right now. 
Well, you know, I think you just have to set an example. And, you know, that's a lot of what I talk about in the book is practical steps that you can take to get involved politically. Political engagement is one of the most important things that that we can do. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're vocal about your faith all the time. It just means that you start getting involved and backing the candidates who have your values. Because guess what? If we don't get behind the right kind of people and really support them, not only when they're running for office, but once they're elected, there's a vacuum that somebody's going to fill. And it may not be the kind of people that share your values who fill it. So, uh, you know, absolutely being, you know, someone who demonstrates their faith and shows what that means is, uh, I think, one of the best ways that you can you can do that. Um, Jesus said you'll know them by their fruit. Yeah, it's true. Uh, you have to step up. And as a, I covered a speech once by Tucker Carlson about Christianity, and he said, you have to be prepared to die in a sense. You have to be fearless about your faith. Now, let's talk about how you came to write this book. What was the moment where you decided to jump in and actually put this all down on paper? Was it one moment or a series of instances that pushed you to step out into the public sphere with this message? Well, you know, after running for Congress, I started realizing that if you're honest and you're, you know, somebody who's prayerful like me and you know that God has called you to get involved in the political arena and then you step out into that into that very scary place sometimes and you realize, oh, gosh, there's just not the support behind you that you need if you are going to stay in line with your values. Uh, that's what really was compelling me to say, okay, you know, it's, I think it's an ignorance sometimes on just, you know, a lot of people would do more if they knew how. And that's what I kept hearing over and over is either people are confused or they're scared. Uh, They just don't understand how this all works. And so I really felt like for me, it was just a, um, an attempt to try and decode and demystify a lot of things that confuse people about the process to help them have hope. You know, we've gotten into a time in our nation where people have really lost hope that they can make a difference. And I've had, you know, even uh, people say to me, well, I'm just a mom. What can I do? And I'll, I'll say back to them, you know, I'll take a mom any day of the week who's fired up and passionate about an issue than some hardened political hack who may know the <laughs> issue well, but doesn't have passion. Because a mom who cares about her kids and the future that they're going to have in this country can actually do quite a lot if they know how. And so that's part of what I put in the book is some really practical practical information and steps on how to do that. It's true. It starts at the local level and it it does go up to the federal and the bigger levels as well of government and of life. And I want to ask you, do you think it's possible, at least in the near future, to see kind of a Christian counterculture? Seems like Hollywood is against Christians. People in the medical field seem to be against Christians when they object to certain medical treatments, vaccines, the abortion lobby, the transgender lobby, even at church. I feel like the homilies have changed. The messages have changed to you know, kind of shy away from that. Is there a chance to have a Christian Hollywood? Is there a chance to have more Christian schools, academic institutions? Or is this something that we need to wait 100 years for? We just need to start planting seeds for? Or can we have that sooner than later? Oh, goodness. You know, I I think God is alive and well, even in places like Hollywood. There's a lot of Christian films that are coming out, you know, uh, Walden Media. There's several others that have just really embraced this and uh, are starting to, to generate content that is, uh, you know, family friendly and in line with Christian values. And hey, here's the here's the shocking news that most people wouldn't know. There actually are Christians in Washington and there's Christians in <laughs> politics. So, you know, God is alive and well, even in Washington, D.C. And there are good people out there working in those arenas. They just need more help and more support. I live here currently. and I agree with you. We're outnumbered, though, I'd say at least 80, 20. But we, we are here. We do exist. 
So I'm going to wrap up and just ask you two more quick questions regarding political life. Why is it do you think that so many candidates that are professing to be Christian, claiming to be Christian, yet they're so corrupt under the surface? Is that because not enough Christians are running for office, not just not voting? They're not standing for office as well. Or is this something we can fix with current leadership, but we just need to apply more pressure to those already elected? No, you just absolutely pointed out something that's so critical. There are a lot of people that will run for office and say all the right things and even sound like they're, you know, solid Christians. But what I really advise people to do is don't treat this like ordering, you know, food off of a fast food menu. When you go vote, you need to treat this like a job interview. You've got to do your homework, really research out those candidates, find out where they stand on the issues and what their track record has been. And most importantly, look at who they're taking money from. That'll tell you a lot. Uh, you know, if we would weed out a lot of the candidates in the primaries and really think about, you know, getting behind the right kinds of people and, and getting people who we know are, are solid in their values to run in the first place, that could make an enormous difference with just tipping the scales. Do you have a favorite Bible verse or book of the Bible you think is appropriate for people to read, especially Christians today with the massive battle that they're up against right now? Faith without works is dead. How true. How true. It, but you, you know, we all need to pray, but boy, it doesn't stop there. Yeah, it's true. I see so many Christians, especially, you know, I'm a Catholic, and there are so many people that will go to Mass, go through the motions, and yet in their life, there's no charity, there's no empathy, there's no giving back, uh, there's no thought, no, no deep thought about what comes next. And I, I mean, maybe you disagree, but it seems like the biggest divide between Christians that are true to their hearts and people that are not Christians or non-believers is there a sense that there's nothing after this? This life is it. We're going to live for today, live for right now, and other people are living uh, for the next life. True or not? Well, you know, I think you have to look at it from the scriptural perspective. God has given us uh, this this place to steward. And I don't want to be standing before him one day and having to give an account of why I let things get to the way they are on my watch. Uh, I really feel like, you know, it, it is it is a time where if we don't get involved uh, and really take, uh, you know, initiative to, to do what we can do, uh, we're going to be accountable for that one day. I agree. It's a it's a long battle. It's a long process. And before we let you go, where can people follow your work and keep track of what you have coming up next? Uh, and where can they, uh, you know, see your your book and you're giving talks? I'm sure there's a lot of work that you still have to to do with this project. Where can people follow you? Sure. You can go to my website. It's godovergovernment.com. The book is available in all the major outlets: Books a Million, Barnes and Noble, Amazon. Uh, and uh, I would love to, you know, be kept. Uh, in mind for any speaking opportunities in the future. Uh, always happy to come and share with uh, groups, at churches or Sunday school groups or anyone about uh, what's in the book, because especially this year, it's a time where people really need to get involved. And I'm, I'm always happy to come and train folks. Well, Terry, it's a tough battle and an epic fight, but uh, we're glad that you're in it. You've jumped into the arena yourself. You're leading by example, and that's exactly what you said we need. So thank you so much for that. And thank you for joining us today. I hope you come back soon. Thank you so much, Nick. All right, that's our show. Thank you so much for tuning in and supporting conservative media. And don't ever forget that by staying vigilant and diligent, we conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. Until next week. First Right, a new kind of news summary without the liberal slant. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. 
Subscribe by texting FIRST RIGHT to 30161. That's FIRST RIGHT, all caps, one word, to 30161.